You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Thank you so much, Anna, for having the courage to get up here and sing about Jesus. Amen. And uh, this time we'll be dismissing to Junior Church for those that would be going out for Junior Church, going out there and learn more about Jesus. Amen. And uh, have a little bit, little, bit, little bit of fun, or a lot of fun maybe, while you do it. All right? And so in 2 Kings today is where we'll be taking our text. In 2 Kings chapter number eight, chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse number 8. We're going to read in this chapter about a, a great woman who was given a great gift only for it to be turned into great sorrow but then to see that sorrow turn into a great miracle. And that's what we find in this chapter. We won't actually be able to cover all of that today, but uh, as we look at this, I want to look at a woman who made a decision in her life that led to a blessing. And, you know, decisions are very important. Uh, the decisions that we make in life are very important. And I always want to encourage you to be open to making a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. Ever since... I love learning about words and learning the meaning behind words. And ever since I learned a little bit more about the word decision, every time I hear it, I can't help but uh, think of it as being a pretty uh, stronger word than we normally think of. As we say it all the time, a decision, decision. But, uh, but the, the root word there is scission. And, and, and that talks about like making an incision, right? It talks about a cutting. So a true decision is cutting between one thing and the other. It's, 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 it's pretty definite, a true decision. And we're so read about a woman who made a decision today. And today you're going to make a decision. You're going to make a decision. If you're here and you don't know Christ, you'll make a decision today on whether or not you'll accept Christ as your Savior. And if you're a child of God, you're going to make a decision on whether or not you're going to make room for Him in your life and put Him first in your life. But uh, let's look here in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. We'll get introduced to this woman. The Bible says, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned thither to eat bread. So he passed by Shunem, and when he was there, this great woman, and, and the Bible uses that terminology basically to let us know that she was truly a great person, no doubt, but the real emphasis on the fact that she was a person of means. She was a person of wealth. She was a person that seemed to have everything. But Elisha passed by, and she would feed him. And verse 9, And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth, passeth by us continually, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. So basically she said, we're going to make a little lean-to on the house. We're going to add a little apartment so when this man passes by, he'll have a place to stay. We're going to make a room for Elisha. And the Bible says in verse 11, And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber, and lay there. And he said unto Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he called her, she stood before him. 
And he said unto and, and he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. In other words, you've been good to us. What is it to be what is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or, or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And she was basically saying there, so here's Elisha saying, you know what, tell me what you want. I've got the ear of the king. I could go speak to the king on your behalf. I've got the ear of the captain of the entire army. I can speak to him on your behalf. But she just simply says, you know what, I'm good. I dwell among my own people. I'm content where I'm at. And he said, what, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer and then we'll try to find out what in the world do these verses and this story, what does it have to do with you today? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being in the house of the Lord. I do thank you for each one that has gathered here. I thank you for each one that is listening and will be listening. God, I pray that you'll just work in each and every heart. And Lord, I sure stand in need of you as I stand here today to deliver your word and your truth. Lord, help me, God, just to point people to you. And Lord, we'll thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, again, this is an ancient story and you can read it and say, Okay. What does that have to do with me today? But it has very much to do with you. The Bible actually says in the New Testament that the things that happened to the people in the Old Testament happened to them for our examples or our ensamples to, to, to teach us upon whom the ends of the world are come. So when we look into the Old Testament, we see New Testament principles revealed. We are concealed. We see Jesus Christ throughout the Old Testament in pictures and in types throughout the Old Testament. And it's no different in this passage today. Because in this passage we see Elisha, the man of God, who would pass by from time to time. Ultimately this woman said, Hey, I want this man of God, this representative of God. I'm going to make him a little apartment, a little lean-to on the side of my house to welcome him in. So that anytime he comes by, I don't want him just to pass by every once in a while, eat some bread and keep on going. I just want him to stay here. I want him to dwell here as often and as much as he wants to dwell here. Now in this passage, this man of God represents God. So therefore we can look at this passage. It reminds me a lot of when Jesus Christ was on the earth. He would pass by. And often in the Gospels, the Bible would say, And Jesus passed by. Or as Jesus passed by. And that's normally followed by, There was a blind man that heard him. 
and called out and asked for help. Or there, there, as Jesus passed by, there was a woman with an issue of blood that made her way to Him. In other words, Jesus would pass by and He would bless people. He would change people. He would perform miracles in many people's lives. However... There were some people that said, man, that's great that Jesus passes by. But there were some that said, man, I think it would be better than just rather than him passing by. It'd be cool if he just stayed here. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother, they were, uh, they were a family like that. They said, you know what, Jesus, we just want you to stay with us whenever you come. You stay as long as you want to. You stay as often. We don't need a text. We don't need a call. You just come by and the place is yours. So Jesus, in a similar way, passed by. Now here's what I want to tell you today. We read in the Old Testament, we read in the New Testament about times that God would work, about how Jesus would pass by. But what I want to tell you today is that Jesus is still passing by. Anybody, can anybody attest to that? Can anybody say, yes, Jesus is still passing by? In other words, what I mean by that is there's still people who are getting saved by the grace of God. We were privileged to have a baptism this past week. We saw eight people follow the Lord in baptism. And we'll have another baptism at the end of the summer because there's many that weren't able to be there. But if you've trusted Christ as your Savior and have not yet been baptized, uh, we'll, we'll mark a date down toward the end of summer and get that taken care of. But God's still passing by. Amen? Hey, and even if you're here today and you're saved by God's grace, aren't you glad He's still passing by in your life? He still comes by. But you know, as we think about that, just as Jesus passed by, many people will call out and say, Hey Lord, I need your help here. I need your blessings in my life. I've got a certain need. And thank God Jesus often answers those prayers. But I wonder if there would be anybody here today that would take it a step further like this woman did. She said, you know, it's great that Elisha's passing by, but you know what, Elisha, won't you just stay here? Just welcome you in. Did you know the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. And it goes on talking about the abounding and growth that happens from that point. But Christ dwelling in your heart. See, you, you may be here today and you may not know Jesus as your Savior. You may have, you may have never invited Jesus into your life. And if you're like that today, I want to invite you to make the decision to make room for Jesus in your life. To see your need for the Savior. Folks, our sin separates us from a holy God. But Jesus Christ went to the cross and He bore the entire brunt of the, God's wrath towards sin so that you and I might be saved by the grace of God. In short, here's what I'm trying to say. Jesus went to the cross for you. He purchased the gift of salvation when He died on the cross and shed His blood and rose again the third day and He offers that gift to you. All you must do is turn to Him and be willing to receive this wonderful gift of salvation. In other words, invite Jesus in. Because He wants to come in today. You may not know Him today, but the good news is He's passing by. And not only is He passing by, I like what He says in Revelation 3 verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. If any man 
hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. If you don't know Jesus today, folks, I tell you, he will knock at your heart's door, so to speak. He'll, he'll try to get your attention. He'll try to say, hey, and listen, he's not bust, busting the door down. If I would have been uh, thinking, uh, I, a lot of times I think more about this stuff after it's too late, but I was thinking about an old picture that I had mentioned before, but uh, there's an old picture that used to hang in my great aunt's house, and many of you may have seen it before, but it's a picture of Jesus knocking at the door. Some of you may be familiar with this old, this old portrait, but this old painting or whatever it was, Jesus knocking at the door. But there's an interesting thing that I didn't notice for years about Jesus knocking at this door. He's knocking at the door, and, uh, and Robin's shaking her head, so I bet she knows what it is. What is it, Robin? There's no doorknob on the outside. There's no doorknob on the outside in this picture because what the artist is trying to portray and communicate is that Jesus isn't coming in unless you let Him in. The, 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 the decision to open up is on your end. It's on your side. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man uh, will open the door, I will come in. So if you are not saved, if you have not yet invited Jesus into your life, I'm not asking you today, listen closely, I'm not asking you, have you been baptized? I'm not asking you about your religious tradition. I'm not asking you about your good works. But I just want to know, have you invited Jesus in to your heart and life as Lord and as Savior? If not, boy, you ought to make room for him today. You won't regret it. There's a blessing there. But I want to say, I want to hasten to say quickly that I just use that verse in terms of application, which is to stay, say when you study the Word of God, there's interpretation. There's one interpretation, but there can be many applications made to Scripture. In other words, you can apply it to your life. Revelation 3, verse 20, Jesus actually isn't talking to those who are unsaved. It's most often used that way, but it's not. He's talking to a church. He's talking to a group of Christians. And it's a sad place when Jesus is standing outside of the church wanting in. Will you open up the door? Will you let me in? And so Christians, you say, well, wait a second, Pastor. I've accepted Christ. I've invited Him into my life. I've been saved for many years, perhaps you may say. But there's a word that I want to show you there in Ephesians 3.17, and it's the word dwell. It's the word dwell. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Dwell. Now, to dwell. Dwell doesn't just simply mean to live someplace. To dwell, dwelling is a place. You dwell at a place that you look forward to coming to. To where you kick off your shoes when you get there. To where you're relaxed. You're at home. You're comfortable. You're welcome. That's, what, that's the idea of dwelling. Not just living, dwelling. So then the question is simply this. There's many people that, you know, they, they treat God like a visitor. Many people treat God like a visitor that passes by from time to time with an occasional blessing. If we're not careful, we can treat God like that. Oh, Lord, it would be sure nice if you'd pass by. I kind of need you. Oh, you know what, Lord, but things are going good now, so you can just stay away for now. But I'll call you again. I'll try to get you to come back by later, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that's not really how it works. See, this lady demonstrates what it is to say, Lord, I've made room for you in my life. I've made a room. 
I've made a place just for you. I am all yours, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. A couple of weeks ago, we met Obed-Edom, and we had a similar conversation about the presence of God in your home. How many of you know that having a house guest can be inconvenient? You know that? Having a house guest. Uh, I appreciate Chad and Doria welcoming these Heartland, these college boys, into their home for the week. But it's going to be an awfully inconvenient week for them. No, I'm, I'm just kidding there. Uh, the, but it will a little bit. Chad's probably going to have to wear a shirt around the house now just to uh, not gross them all out. And uh, whatever, you know, it's, it's going to be. Uh, but, but, you know, when, when you have a guest, you have to consider what you eat and when you eat. If I'm at home and, and we don't have guests, I just go and eat two or three bowls of cereal, you know. But if we have a guest, Phil, I might be thinking twice because I don't know if I want to share my cereal, you know. Maybe I want to wait on that. Um, right? Uh, You've you got to think about what you watch, you know, sometimes. And I'll tell you this right now. Some of you have found this out. If you come to be my guest during basketball season of Carolina's on, I'll tell you what we're doing. We're watching Carolina basketball, okay? Uh, but but you've got to think about what you watch. You've got to think about where you go. If you've got guests, you're, you, if you're a good host, you don't just simply get up and leave whenever you want to and run to the store and just take off and uh, be gone half the day. Some guests make you want to do that. But you ought not do that. <laughs> so uh, you've you got to think about these things. You've got to think about when you go to bed and so forth. And, and, and so in other words, having a guest is not always real convenient. And that's why it's a decision. If you're going to invite Jesus to say, you know what, Lord, I want to make a place for you in my life. I want you to dwell here. I want you to feel at home in my life. Because if you're saved, He doesn't come and go. I want to be very clear about that. Amen. The Bible says He's with you always. But to dwell means that He's there and that He feels at home. Now I ask you this today. What would you have to change for Jesus to feel at home in your life? What would you have to change for Jesus to feel at home in your life? I promise you that having Jesus in your life and letting Him have the preeminence is the best life you can possibly have. So whatever it is today that would hinder you from inviting Jesus in to stay, inviting Jesus in to be at home, whatever it is, isn't worth it. I can promise you that today. And I'm a pastor. And I think about the things that I say when I'm up here preaching, believe it or not, uh, most of the time, because I'm not known for uh, thinking about what I say, right? I, I'm just known to say, uh, say it and kind of figure it out later. What did I just say? Still happens, like it's doing right now. Trying to put a stop to it at this very moment, but it's not easy. But I, but I think about this. I think about when I tell somebody what I just told you. That whatever it is that would hinder you from saying I don't know if I really want Jesus in my life or not. You know, whether you're not saved or whether you are saved, i got to think about this because I'm going to say this statement and I don't just say things to say things. Okay, whatever it is, it's not worth it. Whatever it is, Jesus is better. And I've got to think about that. Well, I don't want to say that and it not be so. And so I think about it and I pray about it and I say, you know what, that's absolutely so. And I don't know what it is that may be hindering you from inviting Jesus in, but I promise you Jesus is better. Jesus is better. It's better to make room for Him. It's better to make room for Jesus in your life. See, this lady made a room for Elisha. 
And so would you be willing today to make room for Jesus? The title of the message today is Making Room for Greater Things. Making Room for Greater Things. As a Christian, wouldn't you like to discover the blessing of giving up lesser things for greater gain? Giving up lesser things for greater gain. You know, I think about this with all of us. I think about it with our young folks uh, specifically. We got so many that are in school and high school, and we got college age kids. And, and man, th th there's a lot to, out there to tell you that there's something better than having Jesus in your life. Or, and and, and maybe, maybe there's not too many of you that would say, well, no, no, it's not that I don't want Jesus in my life. I want him passing by from time to time. But you know, if I let him dwell there, then it's going to change the way I live my life. And the world says, oh yeah, yeah, you don't want to live your life the way Jesus wants you to live your life. But I'm here to tell you today that there's nothing better than living your life in the path of blessing. And knowing Him as Savior, knowing the comfort and the peace. I promise you today, listen to me closely. The things that the world is offering are empty, vain, cheap imitations of what you can truly have in Christ. Every bit of it. And I say this often, but you know, God said it this way. I set before you this day, blessing and cursing and life and death. And He says, choose life. Make a decision for life. You know, the Bible says that God's commandments aren't grievous. grievous. You want to know why He says that? Because they're not. Because when you think about, somebody says, well, there's the thou shalt nots and there's these restrictions. Yeah, you know, the restrictions are kind of like, don't drink this poison. And don't touch the hot stove. You know, I, I, I've got, I've got a, a granddaughter. She's 15 months now. I, I didn't want to be one of the people that said used months. She's a year and a half now, okay? Don't you hate when people use months? Oh, how old's your kid? Oh, she's 26 months. And, well, I know that's two years and two months. But, but I'm just saying, no, she's a year and a half. But, 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 but anyway, what kind of jerks do you think her parents are? She'll put stuff in her mouth that she could choke on, and they go take it out. And they say no. Some of you work at a daycare, I bet. And you know what you can't say to kids at a daycare? No. Crazy. Anyway, here, oh, honey, that's fine. Here, try chewing on this instead, you know. Anyway, that's a whole other story. No. She tries to grab a hot stove. No. I'll tell you about this, and it wouldn't surprise you a bit, but I, I often think about uh, Evan when he was uh, just, a, just a little guy. The kids love it when I use them as illustrations. But I can remember Evan as a little guy. His uh, sweet, sweet little sister, where's she at? Oh, she's helping. She's serving in junior church, I suppose, this morning. But Natalie is an animal lover. She loves animals, right? And so as, a, as, a, as just a toddler, she saw some beautiful, cute puppies that were just a couple lots over from us in the trailer park. And they were two of these beautiful, cute puppies on big old thick chains and teeth showing. They were big old German shepherds, and they weren't to be... They, they didn't look cuddly at all. At the end of their chains, what does Natalie see? Puppy. 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 Now, Evan's outside with her and he's just, you know, probably four or five or something like that. And he has got a hold of her trying to drag her back. And she's doing everything she can to drag him toward those dogs. And Evan's calling and getting our attention. And the point that I'm simply trying to make to you is, ain't that an awful brother? And he's probably regretted it ever since then, but 
Why would he do that? Why would he? She, she really wanted the cute puppies. And understand this, Satan's got a bunch of cute puppies out there that will eat you alive. They look real good, sound real good. Man, they, they, but I'm telling you, when you get up there, son, they'll eat you up. And you're not going to be the first one. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, the, the different things of this world, uh, the, the, the fornication, the adultery, the drug use, the different things that are out there. It all has this appeal to it. But I'm telling you, when you get down to the end of it, it will eat you up. All right, And so it's not grievous to say no on some things because it's a path of blessing. But anyway, would you make room for greater things? Paul said this in Philippians 3 verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. God wants to move in your life. That's pretty awesome. The Creator, the Creator, I mean, listen, He walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. But Adam and Eve, what did they do? They sinned. It broke that fellowship with God. And, and so, so what did God do after that? God said, that's all right. I can't walk with you in the cool, but I'm going to still come. But He still came down after the blood of the Lamb was shed. And He came down and He walked with Noah. And, and Enoch walked with God. And all these people walked with God. But then God says, you know, that's really good, but I want to do more than just walk with you. I want you to make a tabernacle. I want you to make a tent. And I just, you know what? Y'all are out here living in the desert, in the wilderness. Just, just make me a place out here too. I want to come live with y'all. I want to live in your neighborhood. And, and, and so that's what they do. And eventually they take that tent and they turn it into a temple. I want to live in y'all's neighborhood. But then that's not good enough. Then God says, you know what? I think I'll take it a step further than that. I think I'll become man so that I can actually come just be among you. So that I can touch you. So that, so that, I, that, I, can, that I can get the idea of, of, of the hunger you feel, the pain you feel, the sorrow you feel. I'm just going to come live among you as a man. But then, of course, we know that Jesus Christ then was betrayed by men. He went to the cross and He died on the cross that day. And then God says, but I'm not done yet. Because then he says, you know what? I've walked with you. I've lived among you. I have personally walked among you. But now I want to come dwell in you. Wow. Uh, the creator, the one who made this incredible universe says, I want to dwell in you. I want to be in you. God wants to come into your life today. Man, I'm telling you, think about that. You wouldn't be here today, of course, if He didn't pass by from time to time. But He wants to do something greater. He wants to fill a void in your heart and in your life that is impossible to be filled outside of Him. That's what He wants to do. He loves you. He cares about you. And He wants you just to simply say, Jesus, I'm making room for you today. I'm making room for you today. That was all the introduction, but I'll give you the message real quick, okay? First of all, we need to make room for Him. I've said that already. This decision made to make a little room for Elisha made a huge difference in the way this woman's story goes. See, not only does God want to dwell in you, but He wants to bless you. Jesus said, I've come. Oh, he, 
He looks upon you and He looks upon me and He looks upon those that are dying in sin and He says, man, I've come that you might have life. Oh, I'm tired of seeing the death and the destruction that's taking place in the hearts and lives of mankind and in families. I want to give them life. But He says, I don't want to just give them life. I want to give them abundant life. I want to give them overflowing life. I just want to bless them. I mean, I want to bless them till the wheels on their wagons just wobble. I mean, I want to bless their socks off. I want to put so much joy and peace. I want to bless them till, man, they just can't hardly do anything but just put up their hands and shout. Amen? And sing and praise the Lord and tell somebody else about me. Seriously, God wants to bless you. But did you know this? You've got to be in the place of blessing. In other words, if she had not made this room, it would have, it would have hindered the blessing. She would have still been blessed, but by making this room in her life, it gave the opportunity for God to do even greater things. In other words, what we're going to find out if I ever get done, and I will get done, but we're going to find out that the one thing that she did not have in her life was a son, a child. Now that may not sound like a big deal to you, but in this time it was a pretty big deal. God answered that prayer. Now, why? Because there was an opportunity for God to work there because she made room for Him. Alright? So God wants to bless you, but you need to be in the place of blessing. And you and I don't always know what a blessing is. But God always knows what we really need. And I'll say, that, I'll say more about that next week because we're going to stay in this chapter and we're going to find out that what she thought was her greatest blessing all of a sudden dies. Has that ever happened in your life? You get disenfranchised, you get, you get discouraged, you get disappointed. Well, we're going to find out about that next week. But, because God knows what a blessing really is. It, it's not like she, 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 did, she, she didn't obligate God to bless her when she built this lean-to, okay? In other words, it's important to understand that God does want to bless your life, but there's nothing that you and I can do to force God to move in our lives. You mark this down. The moment somebody comes up with a formula... And how many of you like formulas and steps and just, oh, this, this is it. One, two, three, A, B, C, poof. God works. Just like that. You know, it's just like that genie bottle, right? I mean, it's just, that's all you got to do. And God just pops right out and what do you want? See, I'll tell you this right now. You may want to run toward that, but I want to tell you to run away from that. When anyone, if you ever hear anyone that comes up with a formula that manipulates God, you know that person is misleading you. Misleading you. Because there's no formula to guarantee that God will do exactly what you want Him to do in your life. But you can put up a cell. You can put up a cell, so to speak. See, making, a, making this room for Elisha pictures making room for God in your life. And it doesn't mean that God's going to do what He did for this woman. But what it does mean is it puts you in a place where it could happen. It's kind of like being out on the water with a sailboat and putting up the sail. And if God decides to, for the wind to blow, you blow and you go. Amen? But you're prepared. You're ready. You're in a place of blessing. 
See, and what I mean by that is this. Make room for God. Make room for the Word of God in your life. Make room for the Bible in your life. It will transform your life. It really will. God's Word is transformative. It's, it's, not, it's informative, but it's also transformative. It will change your life. Will you make room for God's Word in your life? Prayer in your life? Church in your life? If you, if you do, you put yourself in a place of blessing. I don't get some great revelation every time I read the Bible. Ralph, there's sometimes I read the Bible that I get done and I'm like, man, what was I reading? But there's other times I've read the Word of God and it's changed me. Changed me. Changed me. Changed my marriage. Changed my home. Changed the church. Listen, it, it's not, well, if I read, well, pastor, I read for a week and, and, and I didn't get some great insight. Well, just keep on reading. Amen? Because you're putting yourself in a place of blessing. Get yourself in church. I can't think of the times I've... No, and listen, I, you, know, you know how we are around here. We don't use the guilt and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, if you can be in the house of God, be in the house of God. Be among other people. We've got a... There, there, you know, coming out of, uh, of COVID, there, there, there came this big philosophy. We haven't dealt with it too much here, thankfully. But so many churches I know about, they have like large percentages of their church that have just said, no, we're not coming anymore. I can get all that. It's great. We're online. We can get everything we need. I hear the preaching. I hear the singing. And, 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 and I'm good. Well, honey, I'm glad it's all about you. And you're good. But what about one another? What about somebody else that you can bless? Right? What about, there's so many one another's in the Bible that we help one another, Right? But, but here's the thing that I mean to say. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. There's been times that I've even dealt with people that have been going, and I, and I, I love uh, helping people. That's like uh, just my life. Uh, there's so much of my job and my work that is work, but it don't seem like work because I love people, and I'm glad when I'm able to spend time with people and help people through things. But there's been some times, and there's been a number of times, that I've literally uh, helped talk to somebody on Thursday, and basically I just gave them my message on Wednesday. You know what I'm saying? To where it's like, man, I, I don't know, but th what you're saying is perfectly what I was preaching the other day. And it doesn't always work that way. You know, it's just like trying to bring up your kids in church. You know, try to, uh, parents, we got so many parents with young kids. Hey, bring your kids up and, and, and help them to learn some scripture. Help them to memorize the word of God. Help them to learn some things about God. I mean, m make church a central part of their life. Now that doesn't guarantee, guarantee that God's going to work in that child's life and do a miracle in that child's heart, but it does put them in a place where God can do it. Amen? I mean, th I think about the times, uh, I think uh, out of our children, I think, uh, I think, I don't know if it's three out of the four or two out of the four, but got saved in church. Now they might have got saved a different time, but I'm glad that I had them in church where they heard the Word of God and got saved. And it doesn't mean that's going to happen. But it puts them in a place where it can happen. Because I want to say this today. Above all, I want my kids to know, love, and walk with Jesus. Now I'm awfully proud of my kids. I really am. Uh, but have you ever been around the people that just love to brag about their kids to, to the point that it's like, come on, man. And you may be here today, and I apologize, but I'm just, I'm just here to tell you, I don't care how much your kid makes for a living. I don't. Not interested. 
I'm not interested in how many homes they have and how many cars they have and how many, you know, I'm not interested in them. Be proud of them, brag them up, but at some point it's just like, come on, man, what are you doing here, right? But I'll say this, I know, I know some of those same people that have a lot to be proud of, and, and hey, be proud of your kids if they're successful, but I'm just saying you don't have to, you know, have some, a little bit of decorum, right, about it. Uh, but, but here's what I mean to say. I know some of those that in the same breath, then their heart breaks, and my heart breaks with them. Because then they start telling me about how broken their children are. And about how broken their families are. And about how messed up their grandkids are. And just right on down the line. And all I want to say about that is this. The main, my, my heart, my, uh, above all, I want my kids to know, love, and walk with Jesus. Now, if they become really wealthy, remember dad. Amen? And if they become successful, that's all great. It really, really is. And, and, and I will rejoice in that. Uh, and, and I will tell you, man, my kids have done so well. But I promise you, I will not say, let me tell you what they made right out of college. You wouldn't believe it. Uh, I don't understand that. But anyway, um, above all, I want my kids to know the Lord. But, it, but, but, I, I, if, but if they're wealthy and successful, but if they're lost and miserable and broken, are they really wealthy and successful? You know? And listen, I'm not talking to anybody about what decisions you made with your kids. I'm preaching right now to people with young kids, and I'm just trying to encourage people with kids to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, to, to, to bring them up in teaching them and helping them learn not only the Word of God, but learning uh, through your life what it is to love Jesus and seeing all that. So uh, put, put, put them in a place of blessing. So make room. And then I've got to give you these others really quickly. I want to say something else about the right motive here. I've already alluded to it, so I won't spend too much time on it. She had the right motive. In other words, she really, why did she make room for Elisha? Why did she make room for God in her life? She did it on the basis of relationship. She did it because she just wanted the pres His presence in her life. And that's got to be our motive. Lord, I'm making room for you because I just want you in my life. In other words, don't let it be. Okay, Lord, I read the Bible. Now I expect this from you. I was faithful to what you told me to do. Now, Lord, you owe me this, you know, and that and the other thing. No, that is not the right motive. We, we cannot manipulate God, but we can trust God. We don't need a, a, a father. We, don't, we need a, a father, not a genie in the bottle. Amen? We need a father who overrules sometimes and says, those dogs will bite you. That stove will burn you. We, you know that sometimes God, we, we think sometimes that a no answer to prayer is not an answer to prayer. But a no answer to prayer is not a no answer to prayer. Because in other words, sometimes we can thank God for unanswered prayers. Is that right? I think there's some theologian that said that before. But we can thank God for unanswered prayers. So the right motive. Trust God. I, I love this part real quickly. The blessing of God is only found in the place of your weakness. In verses 12 through 16, Elisha's like, man, how can we bless this woman? You want the king? You want the captain? I mean, you name it. She's a wealthy woman. She, she doesn't need money. She doesn't need land. She doesn't need possessions. And she said, I'm good. In other words, her expectations were good. But there was one place in her life, and you listen to me closely, she'd given up on. Elisha's servant said, well, she doesn't have a child. So Elisha says, that's it. You're going to have a son. One year from now, you're going to have a son. 
And if you go and look, she says, well, Lord, I, I'd appreciate you not uh, messing with me here. Verse 17. Or I'm sorry, verse 16. D don't tell me this. In other words, she'd given up hope of ever having a son. She is older. The Bible specifies that her husband's even older than her. And there's no hope of her having a child or having a son. But here's the thing. God did it. God did something in her life. In other words, He worked in the one area, ready, of weakness. She had it all. But God looked at one area of weakness and says, that's where I'm going to bless you. Because I'm telling you today, God looks at us and He sees where we're lacking. He sees things. This woman, without question, had given up on ever seeing this miracle happen. Matter of fact, she had given, listen to this, she had given up on this ever happening so much, she wasn't even asking God for it anymore. She quit asking God. She quit believing God for it. No doubt most of her life she prayed, but not anymore. And she doesn't complain about it, but, a, but Elisha says, this time next year you'll have a son. And sure enough, she had a baby. And so in conclusion today, I'll say this. What blessing have you given up on? Is there something in your life, an area to where you don't have something and there's a weakness that you've given up on? Maybe it's living a life with meaning. Have you given up on living a life with meaning? Have you given up on seeing a God-given vision come to pass in your life? Have you given up the vision for a stable life? Have you given up the vision for a good marriage? Uh, for a happy home? You given up on those things? Have you just about quit asking? It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to get better. Let me tell you something. There's a God in heaven who sees. And there's a God in heaven who can meet that need today. He knows your need. He knows your heart. Where's the one place in your life where you're weak? Listen, that's the place where God can make you strong. That's the place where God can work. Now again, I can't tell you He's going to work in that way, but I'm going to tell you He can. And I'm going to tell you He definitely can if you just get yourself in a place of blessing. And if you get in that place of blessing, again, it doesn't mean that you're going to be wealthy, healthy, and all that mess. But what it, it may, but what it does mean is that you're in the place where God can bless you. You're in the place where He can work. You're in the place where He can move. And then last, we'll ask this question as the pianist comes and as we all stand. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior today? <coughs> Jesus says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. Hey, are you willing to make room for Jesus? I want to tell you today. Well, you know what I feel confident in saying I think that many of us are hesitant to really welcome Jesus in to dwell I think there's a lot of things that we can kind of get fooled by that we want to maintain in our lives because somehow we think they're a greater blessing than his presence hey I, you know what we need to encourage one another don't we there's none of us, we don't need, none of us need to be asking like, acting like super saints in here. That got it all together and got it all figured out. And but, Yep, I've got it, just do like me. No. Hey, I know the struggle, man. I really do. But I can tell you something else too. 
There's been some areas in my life where I've just said, okay, Jesus, it's yours. And I'm telling you what, I would not trade it or change it for anything in this world. May the Lord help me to learn and do it more. Will you make room for Jesus, child of God? If you're not saved today, perhaps Jesus is knocking at your heart's door. Would you receive Him as Savior today? The Bible says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So you believe from your heart. It's not just a head knowledge. It's when you believe. In other words, trust with all your heart that what Jesus did on the cross, He did for you. And that's sufficient for you to be saved. And the fact that He died and that He rose again. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can call on the Lord today. You can let Him in. You can open up the door just by a simple prayer of saying, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and my Savior. Just that simply, He can come in. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for the privilege of being here today. I thank You, dear God, for Your faithfulness and goodness in our life. I want to thank you, God, for the day you knocked at my heart's door. I want to thank you for the day, Lord, that I answered and I received you. I believed on you. I believed I received. And, Lord, I haven't been the same since. But, Lord, I've struggled over these years sometimes to let other things kind of get cluttered in there in my life. And, but, Lord, I'm glad on those things you've helped me to get right and open up and, and, and make room for you. But, Lord, you know there are some areas in my life that I still need to open up. I still struggle, Lord. Sometimes I still have a tendency to believe the lies of the devil. They're convincing. So, Lord, I pray for your help for me and for each of my brothers and sisters out there today. And for those that may be unsaved, Lord, that you had saved them today. In Jesus' name. As you remain standing right before we're dismissed, I'm going to ask Blake and Kaylin if they would to come forward this morning. And Blake and Kaylin have expressed an interest to become members.